Welcome to another podcast of the Book of Ephesians study. My name is Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries, and we are studying one of the great crown jewels of the Bible, written uh, by the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is an incredible book, tremendous revelation given to the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. This is a prison epistle, the book of Ephesians. And uh, there are several prison epistles, but this is a, one of them that Paul wrote while he was incarcerated. And when you read this book, you just know that he may have been incarcerated in the natural, but uh, in, in God, he was in a, a heavenly place when he wrote this. So this book does talk about heavenly places in Christ in several places. And we're going to get into this again. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. And this uh, podcast is called Truth for Today. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to follow our study. And uh, I hope you have a Bible today. I hope you, uh, you know, grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 14 where we left off uh, in the last podcast. Okay, so here we go. Uh, and it says here that uh, we're talking about being sealed after we're saved or when we get saved, when we... Uh, come into faith in Christ, and uh, it says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, in other words, we are uh, put in a place with God, and it is a permanent sealing, as we mentioned last time. It, uh, it, it cannot be broken. It's almost like uh, it's God's signet ring seal, the king's signet ring seal, and it marks us as being his. And in fact, in this uh, verse that we are uh, left off with last time, it talks about that we are, which is the earnest of his inheritance, talking about being sealed with the Holy Spirit, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. So we talked about the glory, but we didn't really mention too much about the purchased possession. Do you know that we are God's possession once we accept Christ and are placed in him by the Holy Spirit? But also, God is our possession. So, it goes two ways. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so, you know, we have his inheritance as our possession. We are a purchased possession with the precious blood of Jesus, but also we are God's possession. We are his church, his sons and his daughters, his family, the family of God. Uh, we're actually citizens of heaven. So we have dual citizenship. We have earthly citizenship, wherever you may be listening to this today, whatever nation, uh, you have earthly citizenship in that nation, but we also have heavenly citizenship. And that's exciting because, yes, our feet are on the ground on this earth, but in the realm of the Spirit, we've been raised up with Christ and seated with Him where He is. We are where He is in heavenly places. 
Bible says he has joined himself to the Lord as one spirit with him. So there's no separation now. Once you're placed into Christ, once you're born again, delivered from the domain of darkness, transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son, there's absolutely no separation between you and the Father in the spirit realm. The one who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. And so we're going to see more about this great inheritance. We're going to dig into this treasure of this book of Ephesians, and we're going to see more about this great inheritance that we that has been passed to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Picking up now in verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, this is Paul, making mention of you in my prayers. And I think it's important to note that Paul was a praying man. Uh, he prayed in the Spirit. He prayed with his understanding. He prayed and even talked in the book of Ephesians here in the last chapter, uh, Ephesians 6.18, about all kinds of prayer. He said, praying at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. He knew how to pray the prayer of faith. He knew how to pray, pray the prayer of agreement. He knew how to pray the prayer of binding and loosing. These are all prayers in the Bible. And you and I need to know how to pray these prayers. The prayer of intercession, taking the place of another. These are all very important to our life and to this day and age that we live in. Because as we pray in the Spirit according to the will of God, and as we pray with our understanding according to the Word of God, we see God answer our prayers and manifest His answers continually in our lives. Where it's not like just a shotgun prayer where you know, just scatter your prayers all over. No, prayer, there are rules to prayer. They're not hard and fast rules in a sense, but there are rules. But, you know, God knew that we needed a weapon while we were here on this earth. So God gave us the name of Jesus and prayer and prayer promises as part of our weaponry to carry on a successful, victorious life in Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to come before God in prayer. Let's look at one of the great prayers of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 and verse 16. Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Paul was really taken up in the glory so much of his life, 
may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you know that you are not relegated to your intellect in living your life down here on the earth? No, there is a greater realm. The realm of revelation and knowledge of God. We ought to be increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul prayed tremendous prayer also in Colossians chapter 1 about being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we might walk worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power. Prayer produces power. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience in Christ that we might gain the inheritance that is provided for us through Christ's redemptive work. Wow. Prayer is not just some dull exercise. Prayer is interaction, communion with God. It is our lifeline. It is a heavenly connection with the Almighty. Prayer. This prayer here, I encourage you to pray this prayer frequently, maybe even every day for a while. If you'll pray, if you pray this prayer in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1.15 through the end of the chapter, 23, you're going to see your life change dramatically. This is a prayer authored by the Holy Spirit, taught to the Apostle Paul, and shared to the body of Christ. Verse 17, picking up here again, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. That's the Holy Spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. God wants you to know him by revelation knowledge, not just intellectual knowledge, not just, uh, you know, quoting a verse, but knowing the author of the verse, knowing the author of the Bible, the author of the revelation of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are so united in one. God the Father is the planner. God the Son is the executor of God's plan. He came here in the form of flesh and blood to execute God's plan on this earth. And the Holy Spirit that he's talking about here is the revealer of the plans and purposes of God. And as you pray 
ignited by the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit. The plans of God will come alive inside of you. It just won't be something that you grab hold of with your intellect. It'll be a revelation down, deep down inside of you, in your spirit, man. And you'll, whatever revelation you have of God, that's what you walk in. And the more revelation you receive from God, the more you walk in God's knowledge, power, presence. We have to grow up. It's time for the body of Christ to grow up into him. And we're going to cover that in Ephesians 4, but we're not there yet. We're going to learn how to walk and grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Wow. What a salvation. So Paul's praying this great prayer, asking God to give the Ephesian church a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then it breaks down to three different areas here, this prayer does. Number one, the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart, your inward man, being enlightened. Another translation says illuminated. Another translation says flooded with light. When you pray, according to God's word, according to God's will, he floods you with light. You begin to see the path, the course, the plan that God has for your life. You're not here to just try to figure everything out. No, God has a plan and he wants you to pursue it. And as you pursue God, the Bible says, you know, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find. As you pursue God, you will discover the plan. And I want to just say this to all those that are listening. We're living in the day of discovery. Wow. We're living in the day of the revelation of God, the power of God. This is a day of discovery for your life. No longer going around the mountain, trying to figure it out, but knowing by revelation of the Holy Spirit and by the wisdom of God poured out in your life what God has called you, set apart for you to do on this earth. This is the most exciting thing. I discovered it many years ago when I was 24 years old. And I tell you, I've been walking it out ever since. It's the most exciting life there is. God will take you places you could never go. You'll meet people you could have never met. You'll receive blessings that you could never imagine if you walk in God's call for your life, the call of God. So Paul says that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He's called you. He's chosen you. 
He's appointed you and he's anointed you. You're complete in him. And in him you have been made complete. You're called, chosen, appointed, and anointed. You're equipped. And you don't fall behind in any gift. God has given you the complete salvation to carry you through this life on into the next. And oh boy, don't get ahead of God. Stay right here, right now, with God in your life. If you've made mistakes, forget the things that lie behind and reach forward to the things that lie ahead. God's got a great, mighty, and glorious plan for you. I don't care how you have suffered in the past. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of redemption. And even if you've fallen, the Bible says, a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, rises right up in God's plan and purpose for their life. So don't let the devil deceive you that you've done something so bad that God could never use you. Oh no. In fact, if you've had a tough time, you're a candidate for God's Holy Spirit to restore everything to your life that has been stolen in the past. Okay, so going on here, Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Another translation says, the surpassing greatness of his power. Surpassing, surpassing what? Surpassing every opposition, every contradiction, every kind of obstacle in your life. God's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, this power that he's placed on the inside of you, that now resides on the inside of you through the indwelling Holy Spirit is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So if your dream has died, don't worry. God's about to resurrect it. Whatever the devil has brought against your life, God is not only going to restore the years that you've lost, but he is going to give you a life of power, glory, victory every day of your life. Every day with Jesus is a victory day. When you put it in the hands of the Lord or trust in him. Okay, so let's go on here. What is the exceeding greatness or surpassing greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead.
Now Jesus was dead. Jesus was lifeless when they took him down from the cross. They placed him in a tomb and according to the Bible, he went to the lower parts of the earth, spent time in hell, but then when the Holy Spirit came to resurrect him, the power of God was released and took him right up out of that place of death and destruction. Jesus grabbed the keys of hell and death and he rose victorious on the third day as vindication from God of our forgiveness, of our justification. The fact that we're right with God today is because Jesus was risen. He was delivered up for our sins, <clears throat> our transgressions, but he was raised for our justification, just as if we've never sinned. That same resurrection life God placed in you in the person of the Holy Spirit when you accepted Christ. It's no less. It's not, uh, you know, diluted down in some way. It is the full measure of the person of the Holy Spirit. And God, the Bible says that God gives the Spirit without measure. He doesn't give you just a little dab, a little measure. No, he gives you the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like God the Father is the God of glory, God the Son, Jesus, is the person of grace, and God the Holy Spirit is the person of life, the spirit of life and truth and holiness. He's the intercessor, the standby, the strengthener, the helper, the comforter, the one, the paracletos, the one called alongside to help. Do you need some help with your life? You have the greatest counselor <clears throat> there ever was, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one called alongside to help. He'll teach you. He'll instruct you. It says he's the teacher. He's the instructor. He'll teach you how to live, how to work, how to pray, how to love. He'll assist you at every turn of your journey while you're here on this earth. Jesus said, I will give you another helper. I will, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. And then he talked about the Holy Spirit being with us forever. You can read about it in John 14, 16. Those two chapters talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in our lives, his function, his place, his power, his peace. He's the greatest gift that God will ever give you. You may become so blessed in many, many areas, but I'm telling you, 
There's no greater blessing from God the Father than for His Spirit to live in you and make you a temple of God. Oh, the Father of glory, the Son who gives us life and the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow. We're completely sealed with God's promises. They're all yes and amen. We're sealed with his life. We're sealed with his nature. And a whole lot more. Now here he's talking about the power, the surpassing greatness of the power or the excellency of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. We've entered another realm with Jesus. We're seated with him. We've died with him. We were buried, placed into his death, and then we were placed into the power of his resurrection, which Paul is talking about here. And then, on top of all that, he raised us up together and seated us together in a place of dominion and authority in Christ. It doesn't get any better than this. He gave us his name. He gave us his nature. He gave us his life. Eternal. Eternal life is now. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know, gnosko, intimate, personal knowing, in order that you may know that you have, present tense, eternal life. Wow. It's an indestructible life. It's an endless life. It's a life of overcoming. And that's why it says in the book of Romans, but in all these things, all of our circumstances, you know, all of our difficulties, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, <clears throat> nor any other created thing shall be able to conquer us, shall be able to overcome us, shall be able to master us through the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't care what you're facing, God's already, Christ has already faced it before you ever were born. whether it be death or life or things present or things to come or principalities or powers or 
height or depth or any other created thing. Jesus mastered it through his resurrection and ascension and seating at the right hand of God. And you know what? He didn't stop there. He took you with him. He took me with him. We were united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. For if you have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly you shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, 5. United with Christ. One. Together. His personality, you may not know it yet, but his personality is in you because his spirit is in you. His spirit has a personality. And you know what? Maybe you have problems with your personality. Let me tell you something. The personality, as you dig into the Word, meditate and absorb the Word of God and walk in the Word of God, the life of Christ and the personality of Christ will flow out of you like a river. Jesus said, on the great day of the feast, he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he referred to as the spirit of God flowing out of your life. Not a river, rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who were to receive, whom those who received him were to receive, possess. Okay, I'm going to finish up here, chapter one. It says, He brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, verse 20, set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet. Well, we're the body of Christ, so we're his feet. He's placed everything under our feet. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the supreme head of the church, the glorious head of the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ is actually collectively, corporately, the fullness of Jesus Christ who fills all in all with his life, his nature, and his ability. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back next time, and we'll continue with Ephesians chapter 2, so you might want to go ahead and read it. Thank you for being hungry for God's Word. This is Joseph Frana for Joseph Frana Ministries and Truth for Today, wishing you a blessed, prosperous, happy, and wonderful day. Thank you.